What's up, everyone? Welcome to Shockcast, Episode 6. My name's Luke and Taldi. I'm your host here tonight. Today, joining us, we've got special guest, Soldier76, brought to you by Overwatch. Not really. We don't get sponsorships by Overwatch. Anyway, going into it, you we have... play with Barbies. What? You shouldn't play with Barbies. No, this this is an impressive statue, albeit the worst Overwatch. Oh yeah, right. Worst. Sorry, sorry, sorry. It's canon. It's not Barbie. It's uh yes, it's it's not a it's not a doll. It's an action figure. Uh, compared to my other amiibos, this action one is actually the action. this is very impressive. Giving me snark today, of course, is Giuseppe Nelva, as always. Hello, everyone. Uh, also with us tonight, we got the full cast. We've got Ryan Mighty Meitzler. I think Giuseppe just sounds jealous of how awesome that uh, Soldier 76 statue is. It's really awesome. I'm, I'm just going to... Why should I be jealous? Uh, and finally, in that lower right corner, if you're watching us on video, we've got Chris Conlon. What's going on, guys? I'm just going to sit here in my Battleborn shirt, uh, stretch out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking Overwatch Battleborn, that is the topic of discussion tonight. We're going to get to that later, but we're talking multiplayer-only games. Uh, there's always some controversy around them, and we want to discuss it, discuss some broad topics, and specifically how we're liking Overwatch, and we'll get to that a little bit sooner. In fact, if we have enough time, we may even let Chris talk about Battleborn, but we're just going to hold that off. Um, <laughs> all right, so let's talk about what we've been playing. Uh, and I just said Battleborn, so Chris, we're going to give you the stage on that. So yeah, I'm still playing Battleborn. I'm still loving it. And uh, I'm going against everyone playing Overwatch because I'm going to keep playing Battleborn. Don't do that. Don't I will. do that to yourself. You can't stop me, Luke. You don't have to do <laughs> that to yourself. Um, so is it just just Battleborn? Is that it? Is that uh, all you've been I playing? Mean, I've been mixing in some MLB The Show, but uh, I'm just trying to wait till I get paid so I can just go pick up Uncharted. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. In fact, I would just sell your games and just go get Uncharted, but... <laughs> no. <laughs> um, also, Giuseppe, what are you doing? Uh, I've been playing a lot of Total War Warhammer lately uh, because I just reviewed it, but I'm still not done. I won't be done for the next like two or three years, probably. Right. But, you know, I'm a big Total, uh, I'm a big but Total War fan and Warhammer fan, so yeah. All right, I'm gonna actually. It's an awesome game. Say what? something right there, of course. Today we're doing a giveaway for Total War Warhammer along with its DLC. Do you remember the DLC's name? Uh, it's the Chaos, Chaos Warriors um, pack. It's basically one additional race. Uh, no, you normally get only if you buy the game in the first week. Right. Uh, yeah. But very awesome, of course. And um, so if you if you get it, you can come play co-op with me. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be running this giveaway for Total War Warhammer. We're gonna do that later on in the podcast uh, and. Uh, if you're listening to this and you want to be part of this, you want to get the giveaways, you want to comment on all the stupid things we're saying, we do this live every Wednesday at 8.30 Eastern at twitch.tv slash DualShockersLive. Come join the party. So far, I think most people who have come and watched us have, you know, at least week by week, have won something, you know, be it Quantum Break, be it, um, what, are, what are some of the other great things we gave out? Uh, Corpse yeah, Party. Yeah, your memory is failing. Yeah, no, I, I'm really bad at and you're wasting time. Thanks. Go on. All right, we're trying to we're trying to aim for an hour. Also, uh, today we're we're doing a little bit of different things with how we're formatting stuff. We're only going to cover one news story, and we're going to do it in depth. But it's a really interesting news story. Uh, but we're trying to get closer to an hour, and of course, we're still experimenting with how we're formatting the show. All right, so I skipped right over you, Ryan. Ryan, what are you playing? 
so basically, I, uh, we'll go into, I guess, later, but I reviewed Doom. Uh, so I played a lot of that uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I also finished Uncharted 4 last week and uh, sufficiently had all my feels touched uh, by that game and how emotional it was. Um, right. So that might have, all the phrasing on that might have been a little weird. So I'll just ignore that I said that. Um, and I'm also, right now, I'm playing uh, a lot of Overwatch and I'm playing uh, Kirby Planet Robobot for review. Ooh, nice. When are we going to have that up? Uh, soon, hopefully by the end of the week or beginning of next week, probably somewhere, but I, sooner rather than later, it'll, it'll be up soon. It's not a long game, so. Okay, good to know. Uh, as for myself, I've been playing a bit of Overwatch. Uh, it's coming up for review. I think I'm going to try and get that out either today and or tomorrow. And I'm not going to say score or anything. Uh, we're going to wait until the written review is up, but very good. Very good things. Awesome game. Uh, and we're going to discuss impressions later. Uh, Ryan and I have been dumping a ton of time into it. But let's go straight into the news. So, uh, Giuseppe, do you want to lead off on the news story? So, yeah, that's, a, that's a, more than news. It's a rumor. So consider it a rumor. Don't uh, consider it confirmed until there is an official announcement from Microsoft. But there, has, there have been rumors today uh, from Polygon, from many, quite several sources, actually, that strangely came out all the same time which made me wonder if like you know it was kind of planned to you know make make it come out but anyway um uh, there should be two xbox console coming one is a slimmed version the xbox one slim of course this is not the official name but it's just something that we're calling it like that and uh, it should be 40 percent smaller and uh, it should have a built-in upscaler able to t tackle different resolutions, like upscale resolution, not, not natives. And it should also um, be able to support 4K for video, which I don't care about still. Um, then, which is more interesting, uh, there is another one, and, and this one is supposed to launch in August and will probably be announced at a tree or around the tree. Mm -hmm. And then there is another one, which is even more interesting, which is a more powerful Xbox One, which uh, it's codenamed Scorpio, or should be actually codenamed Scorpio, because remember, we are talking hypothetical here, we are talking if the rumors are true, uh, and it's colloquially re referred to the Xbox One 2, which is hilarious. <laughs> And anyway, uh, this, this console, interestingly, the, the, the sources, uh, Polygon sources, claim that it would be uh, aiming for six teraflops of uh, computing power, which is four times as much as the current Xbox, and, and allegedly more powerful than the rumored PS4 Neo. Wow. Uh, this is interesting because as a figure... I'm not saying that it's science fiction, but it's interestingly optimistic. I mean, yeah. it may be real, but if it's real, they're going to do kind of a miracle. Because six teraflops, to give you in, um, a little bit of a thermal comparison, a current NVIDIA GTX 980 Ti, which is a very high-end cart, uh, crunches 5.63 teraflops, so less than this alleged Xbox One 2 or Scorpio uh, while a Titan X which is basically the most costly card you can find or one of the most costly is 6.14 teraflops which is just mm -hmm. above this Scorpio right um, just to, just to give you another terms of comparison the GTX 
one eight, 1080 that's coming out uh, uh, next month for uh, $600, it's uh, nine teraflops. So mm -hmm. that's considerably higher, but you know, it's still just to um, treat the trees uh, like three by two times as much. Um, while uh, the 170, which is about $40 and $400, is 6.46 teraflops, so pretty much the same ballpark. Right. So th that's strange. It may be true though, because this console should come out is like uh, intended to come out towards the end of 2017. Right. So, so there two is years. time for technology. Well, not two years, but one year enough. Right. Um, mathematics. Um, but yeah. It's it, there is about one year considering that we have to go into production and all that, so it's not like they can have their design ready in one year and a half. It needs to be ready at least in one year or less. Mm -hmm. So they have kind of one year or like nine, ten months to get to the, po the technological point of being able to put that kind of power into a console form factor, into a console heat management requirement, because you know power creates heat. Physics, right. especially and, for uh, Xbox. Oh come on! <laughs> Don't be that guy. Uh, and uh, also in the power requirements, because of course you need to have a power source. Xbox has an advantage in the because Xbox has an external external power source, mm -hmm. so they can pretty much put the power that they want into it. As long they can make a brick like this, and give it all the power they want. But mm -hmm. still, uh, you know, it's still a concern because, of course, uh, console can't be too power-consuming because otherwise consumers are going to be to to complain about it as well. And also, especially, it's mostly a matter of price because six teraflops are a lot. Yeah. So, what do you guys think? This is it for the news, pretty much. Oh, also, sorry. Yes. There is also the fact that um, this alleged console. Um, should will will play all of the current Xbox One games, and also there is an initiative inside Microsoft that it's called Project Helix, or Helix, mm. that uh, pretty much wants uh, to aims to launch all Xbox brand games at the same times on pitch on PC. Hmm. This is pretty much the gist of all of the rumor. So what do you guys think? Is real, false, crazy? Oh. A little thing, uh, Phil Spencer today um, mentioned that, there, that today there was a lot of creative chatter about it. Mm. So we have to wonder what that creative chatter mentioned mean, meant. I mean, is the rumor something someone created or um, someone has been, has been a little too creative with the rumors or maybe it's something else? You know, Phil Spencer likes to, you know, give a little bit of a tease, but we don't know really what's up. Right. So what, what do you guys think? Well, in the, I just want to read off a few of the comments in the chat. Uh, they're, they're skeptical. They say, um, uh, the Mac, the Mac, the Mac-tastic says, consoles are the new cell phones. And Dalaran says, if it's real, that'll be a huge box to hold to seeing how, I mean, <laughs> Xbox One's a fucking monster. Uh, yeah. They're comparing uh, it to CRTV, this new one. Well, uh, that's possible, but you know, miniaturization does miracles. So, it, size is is a concern, 
But the fact that the Xbox One as an external um, an external power source is actually pretty determining. Determining it could be their their winning card, because yeah. since they they have an external power source, they have space for uh, more hardware and ventilation. Right. I mean, that's not to say, of course, that PlayStation Neo, uh, when it comes out, that it might not also. I mean, we have. Oh, the that's design. true, of course, but. It depends. It depends on that. Depends on Sony. I don't. I don't really want to talk about the comparison right. because it could also be. There is also be one thing. There is also could be the thing that uh, the rumor could have put out could have been spread intentionally, right? To kind of muddle the waters. Remember that. Remember that uh, this kind of this this news came out from several sources pretty much at the same time. So there, ha there has to be one or multiple people within Microsoft or close to Microsoft that took a, a, lot, a lot of time to speak to a lot of people for mm -hmm. some reason. So I don't know. Almost. There is a possibility that, that someone intentionally wanted to muddle the waters because it, it is a possibility. I'm not saying it's true because we can't really say that. But, you know. Right. It's a good way, though, to gauge... Uh, public interest Inter to have yeah. these leaks. Um, Absolutely. And that goes back to Chris's tinfoil hat theory that he's mentioned multiple times. Um, but let's go to Ryan. Ryan hasn't said a lot. Ryan, do you think that these uh, statistics are real? I think, you know, uh, because this isn't obviously the first time that we've heard about these rumors of, you know, um, upgraded consoles coming like we heard earlier this year with Sony with you know at uh, PS 4.5 4k you know whatever those rumors so I think the fact that we've been hearing so much about it on both sides um, you know does lend some I, I think it does make sense that eventually down the line we'll see new hardware I don't know how soon I don't think it's gonna happen necessarily this year but definitely I think in within a year or two especially with you know the I'm sure with the consoles wanting to include some kind of VR support um, which is obviously gonna require way more um, you know technical power than I think than what the, the current consoles can, at least to, comparable to something like Oculus Rift or, uh, or mm -hmm. Vive or things like that. Um, although we are seeing the PSVR, so, you know, we will get something to that scale. But, um, you know, I, and I think also um, just thinking about how previous console generations, I think that to me the, the biggest comparison is to like almost like the, three, the, the new 3DS, like what, what Nintendo did where they offered something that was like, the new 3DS still plays all the old games, but it does have a couple things that either run better or they're completely exclusive to that system. Now, whatever the right. case will be with the new systems, we're going to have to wait and see. I know the rumors have kind of said that they're intending for, you know, every game to run on, on you know, both the new and the old hardware. Yeah. Um, but I, I do think that at least they're, given how much we've heard about this, I feel like it has to, there has to be some credence, I think, to these rumors. But obviously we have to wait and see what an official announcement holds. Right. By the way, guys, look at Christopher. Christopher today is going for a very horrorish look. Are you telling us? An, are you going to tell us a horror story today with a light? I'm invading, I'm invading everybody's dreams. Oh my god! <laughs> so Chris, there is one thing I'm very, I'm very worried about. Oh, go ahead, Christopher. Tell us your 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 story first. Your your, your opinion first. Yeah. So I mean, my thoughts on this are pretty much the same as it was for PlayStation Neo. Where like I I'm not kind of a fan of the idea of keep having like these mid cycle consoles because you're essentially just saying hey you should have bought a gaming PC to me you know like I, I I said it before but I bought a console because it works better in my budget for what I want it to do and consoles are generally on 
you know, a seven to ten year life cycle until the new one comes out and while it's still being supported. So I am not a huge fan of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. But as someone who's not huge with technology parts, it amazes me to find out there's something called a teraflop that actually exists. <laughs> I think that's the best thing in the world. You're fired. All right. So we got a great question in the comment. It's, uh, Quasimunk says, hello, do you guys think uh, Microsoft started R&D after the Sony rumors or was a collective insider decision given uh, their control of the market? Uh, I think – sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say – I don't. It can't be that reactionary that they started R and D when they heard these rumors because it's only been uh, maybe a month or so. They've, as it was saying in the in the rumor, and I think it's absolutely true. Uh, they kind of said that they've been doing it. Um, they've been working on it and expected to release it later down the line. Of course, Xbox has done different SKUs a ton of different times. Maybe not this radical. But they've had Xbox 360, Xbox Elite, Xbox Arcade. Um, and my guess is that they were intending to do it in like a five-year cycle. After hearing the rumors, this is when they're expediating it. What do you think, Giuseppe? Yeah, I think that's they, they simply heard that, that Sony was like pushing their schedule much faster than they expected. So they, they decided to accelerate as well to match it. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my main concern about this, uh, which I'm a main, I'm a all platform gamer, so I don't really care which platform is the most powerful because I'm gonna have them all, um, and I'm pretty sure that that's for most very dedicated gamers. Mm-hmm. But the problem is one, okay, now PS4 started more powerful than Xbox One, and then they made the PS4, they may have made the PS4 Neo, which is even more powerful. Microsoft says, no, fuck no. So they so they, they make the, the Scorpio or the, PS, or the Xbox One too, and uh, that is more powerful than PS4 Neo. Mm-hmm. And then Sony says, no, fuck no, we're not letting you win this race, <laughs> and they make the, the Neo 2, which is more powerful than, than the Scorpio, like what, one year later. Because mm-hmm. if there is one year between, there may be one year between the Scorpio and the Neo. Like Neo may actually come out at the end of this year, and Scorpio may come out in the next, next year. Mm-hmm. So next year, Microsoft say, no fuck, <laughs> you're not going to win this war. <laughs> and, and so they make the Xbox One 3 that is more powerful than the Neo 2. And this has a real, a real potential to create an escal- a nuclear escalation, like uh, like uh, the U.S. and Russia during the Cold War. Mm-hmm. Everyone building bigger and bigger nuclear weapons to put the the the, the, the competition down, and they would basically <laughs> become like uh, like with smartphone, with yeah. the new smartphone come out ever coming out every year or less, and who's gonna who's gonna have to pay for it? We are going to have to pay for it, yeah. and that's a problem for gamers that are on budget, or gamers that want to have them all. Right. To have all like both PS4, PS4, or PS whatever it's gonna be, and Xbox One or Xbox whatever it's gonna be, and maybe PC as well, and maybe the NX as well. What if Nintendo joins the competition as well? Then all we bets are off. <laughs> <laughs> if they start, if they start pushing out the top 
technology things, we're fucked because that that's just Nintendo giving up on everything on all of their morals. Uh, no, it's it's more of a fact that it becomes an escalation that we are going to pay for, yes. and not only us. We're not the only one. Developers are going to pay for it as well, yeah. because the big advantage consoles have at the moment mm-hmm. is that they are you can optimize your game for one SKU or two if you if you're multi-platform. So you can optimize your game really really well, mm-hmm. and you need to test only one platform. Testing is a big cost, right? The more SKUs there are, one, two, four. If both PS4 Neo and Xbox One Two are real, they're gonna be four. Mm-hmm. Five, if you had, if you had an NX, we don't know if games are going to be on like how compatible will be. If it's going to be taunting or we are going to have multi platforms on all three, an uh, right. Xbox and PS4, PS4 Neo and PNX Xbox One Two, it's going to be five SKUs, and if it's escalate, it's going to be seven, nine. Developers are going to start to have to test the console games like they test PC games, right? And developing them like they develop PC games, not being able to optimize and enjoy every single uh, drop of teraflops mm-hmm. from the console. So, so console games are going to be more costly to make for developers, are going to be more unoptimized, so they're going to run worse comparatively with the hardware, probably worse than now on the oldest consoles, like on the basic PS4 and Xbox One. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have more glitches because look at the PC game gaming market. Look at how games come out unoptimized and full of glitches, full of bugs. Because wow. uh, that's not because developers are lazy. That's because they have more configurations to test, and uh, it's impossible to test them all. Right. So we won't. I think we should move on, but I want to end on a positive note. Uh, the Mac Tastic over in the comments is optimistic that there's at least one benefit. He says, one of the positives I find here is the price of current-gen consoles is going to plummet when these new generations start to come out. This will lead to new people being able to join the gaming community. That's true. Uh, yeah, that, that is a very good point. I think that's very salient that um, that would bring the influx of everyone who's heard great things about PlayStation 4 and just hasn't been able to buy it yet will be able to jump into that market. Um but so yeah. would they care to buy the the the, the old uh, the old outdated one? That's that's the question. Yeah, I I mean even if they necessarily don't get the the newest model, it at least gets them into the the ecosystem of you know whether oh, it's, so they, it's would they care to or, buy it? It's, I, I mean, I'm not sure, but it matters I mean, if the uh, how it, many people buy a, a Nexus a Nexus Four now? Besides as someone me. who's as someone who sells cell phones. Older phones and like the lower quality ones, people still buy them a lot. Ah, okay. Not gonna well, lie. Well, I I can say I have an Xbox Four, so yeah, <laughs> and it's crap. <laughs> we yeah. Are, yeah, I mean we are of course the audience of people who have to buy the newest things, uh, who really enjoy doing that. But I'm sure there is a huge market of people that just you know want to do this, especially if they come out saying that. PlayStation 4, uh, PlayStation Neo, PlayStation Neo 5, wherever we are, we'll be able to play um, PlayStation, uh, standard PlayStation 4 will be able to play everything up that line, uh, which is so far at least the message that's been rumored about. But, yeah, well, I, I just hope that I'm okay with, with having new consoles, like one mid-cycle console. Yeah. I'm not happy with it because I prefer, you know, they focused on one, 
but I'm okay with it. But if it becomes an escalation, it's dangerous. Right. All right. So let's uh, let's use that. Should moment. we should we give us uh, give up the warhammer right now? Since we are in the middle between the things. Oh, uh, we can. I was thinking of giving out after you talked about it, but we can do it now if you'd prefer. Well, review. I talked about it already. What would you want me to say something about it? <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's let's give it out. Um, Chris, you are the giveaway master. You always Don't pick yourself. Pick yourself as usual. I'm just gonna say I might keep this one. <laughs> You're not. Dollar. He Dalo doesn't wins have it. A, he doesn't have yeah. a PC. Uh, <laughs> if you want it. Dollar? All right. Well, get back to us if you want it, then you want it. If not, then we'll give you a... Give play- up to, to someone else. Yeah, yeah, we could give you a great PlayStation 4 theme, I'm sure. Uh, we have we have a few from True and Pixel. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, anyway, uh, let's start talking about the topic of the show, which is multiplayer-only games. Overwatch is out. Overwatch set the world on fire. Uh, it's really every on- the only thing everyone's talking about this week, uh, for the most part. Um... Someone else. All right, re-roll it. Roll uh, it again. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about it. Reactions. Um, Ryan, how do you feel about the game? Uh, I really like it a lot so far. Uh, I mean, we ta- I think we talked about it a little bit with uh, the open beta that was uh, earlier this month. But I think... Uh, I mean, we'll go into this, I guess, a little bit later, but I'm I'm not really a, bit, a person that plays a ton of multiplayer-only games. If I do, I kind of tend to focus on one or two and then just mm-hmm. play them for a long time. I did that with Counter-Strike. I did that with Team Fortress 2. I did that with, like, certain games. I feel like Overwatch, for me, is going to be that next game. Um, you know, mostly, I think, because of the uh, the characters. The characters are all great. They all have a lot of personality, but also just the gameplay is incredibly fun because it, it does really take a lot of influences from older multiplayer games, like a lot of the ones that I mentioned, like Counter-Strike, you know, some Call of Duty, some Team Fortress, but it also adds a lot of new things, especially because it kind of mixes a little bit of uh, MOBA elements into it. Not, not I think not as much as Battleborn. Uh, Chris's, you know, game of the year so far. Um, Hashtag buy Battleborn. <laughs> But I uh, I do really like Overwatch so far, and I've been playing a ton of it. Because um, I uh, with the beta, I was like kind of unsure about the game, but once I played it, I was like I'm sold, and I pre-ordered the game immediately. And it was great. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling very much the same thing. I don't want to get too far into how I feel about the game because the review's coming up, and I want to give uh, people to look forward to something. But uh, it, it's a ton of fun. It's easy to jump into. Even when I'm losing, I'm having a good time, and that's um, that's something I re- you know I think that really shows off when a game is good. Like Rocket League, of course, mm-hmm. I always have a g- good time no matter if I'm losing. Yeah. Um, so I think that is uh, that is a big thing that you touched on is that it is it is surprising. Like even though it is a very competitive game, and I feel like it is definitely one of those ones that it's uh, easy to learn but difficult to master. I think you know because there's a ton of strategy into it. In it, um, but I do think that it, uh, for the most part, if you've you know, even if you're only casually into shooters and stuff like that, I don't think it's as daunting a game to jump into as something like a MOBA or a very competitive shooter like a Call of Duty or things like that. I do think it has a slightly easy, uh, less steep learning curve uh, when it comes to that. Right. All right. So let's going from there. Let's talk about the general topic of multiplayer-only games. It seems to be the trend lately. We have multi. We have uh, a few examples 
Of course, Overwatch just came out. Uh, Battleborn, Titanfall. Well, Battleborn's not multiplayer only, I guess. Titanfall, Evolve, Star Wars Battlefront. I guess we could even say Rocket League in that, right? I suppose. Well, Star Wars Battlefront wasn't multiplayer only. It had some single player content. It wasn't big, but it was there. Right. I think as a like I bet I think that like the core of it is is a multiplayer focused game. I think it like it's, it's somewhat the same way as Battleborn. Though Battleborn also has like some single player stuff too, but I think the the core of the experience is meant to be multiplayer. Mhm. All right. So, uh what are the qualities that have helped make some multiplayer only games successful over others? I mean, Overwatch is very clearly setting the world on fire. What I yeah, I mean, Battle Star Wars Battlefront sold a ton, not very critically well received. Uh, Evolve neither well received nor, uh, you know, nor really had a continuing audience. What is the thing that really makes a multiplayer only game successful? Mm, well, first of all, being by Blizzard. <laughs> being by Blizzard, <laughs> that that is one big step you got to get through the. Day. No, l- l- let's be honest. People are a lot. Like more willing to forgive uh, certain developers, certain um, certain publishers for certain things, and they are unwilling to forgive the same things to others. And Blizzard, it, Blizzard, Bethesda, and Valve, pretty much the three developers and publishers that are given the privilege to do things that others would be lambasted for. Yeah, I suppose. Um... Yeah, I, I suppose so, but even then, I mean, I think that there's a wide, like, I, I saw a bunch of people saying uh, if it was Electronic Arts on the box, if it was Star Wars Battlefront, um, then that would have, you know, no one would play Overwatch, I, and I don't think that's salient necessarily. Uh, cause it's Titanfall not that no one would play it, but they would criticize it very harshly. Yeah, um, I, I suppose, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I because like a ton Blizzard. of people played. Remember, a ton of people play Star Wars Battlefront. It sold like thirty million copies, something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, I forget how. It's long. just a matter of reception, not a matter of sales. Because you know, sales, uh, sales, and people on the internet are a little bit disjoined. Mm-hmm. Because you know, the the average person that buys game is not the same average person that comments on forums or sites and whatnot. So a game like uh, Star Wars Battlefront that got a ton of negative rap still sold a lot because it's Star Wars. Right. And because it's, you know, it's it's a game that was marketed a lot. If it gets marketed a lot, it will probably sell well. Right. Now, there's uh, this is something I've seen on a lot of comments, and it's even right here in the chat. They said, uh, the MacTastic said, waiting for Overwatch price drop. I know it's rare with Blizzard, but 60 is rough. So the question is, um, how should multiplayer-only games be priced? Are they $60 full experiences, or should they be lower? Should they be a $40 game, a $20 game? That's something I'm sure that made Rocket League very successful at the time was because it was so cheap. But Mm -hmm. do you think that a game can be a $60 multiplayer only title. It's, it's, I mean, I think, they, I think, you know, like, I think the quality of the games for the most part, I think are definitely there. Like, uh, from everything I've seen from Overwatch, it is more than a solid shooter. It is an incredibly well polished game. 
Same thing with Battleborn. It's an incredibly balanced experience. Um, I was talking to Lou before. There's so many things in this game that like I see like my characters do, and somehow it fits, and it doesn't make sense. Normally, if you would see that, it would create such imbalance. But at the same time, there are games like Skyrim that are $60 that are offering you 300 hours mm-hmm. of playtime alone. You know, it's. I think it's. I think it depends on the game. Because a game like Rocket League is not worth sixty bucks. Game oh. like Battleborn, I think, is was worth my sixty dollars. Right. Um, I think it could. I could, I think Rocket League could be worth sixty bucks. I mean, depends a lot on one things. I mean, price of a game doesn't depend specifically on what the contents of the game are. Mm-hmm. Well, not directly. It simply depends on depends on the budget, like. Uh, company makes a game, invests a certain amount of money into that game, and then prices it in a way that allows them to make that money back. So, if a game uh, had a budget of a AAA 60 bucks game, it will be priced 60 bucks. Rocket League was priced less than 60 bucks because, of course, the budget was lower. Uh, which is why indie games normally are priced less than 60 bucks. That's not because they they are not worth sixty bucks. It must not matter worth, because I don't think we should apply the the, the reasoning that uh, work of developers, the developers' work is worth less or worth more. If yeah. they are like in the games is worth less, or they are big AAA games is worth more, or if it's uh, an online only game, it's their work is worth less. It's mostly of a matter. Of uh, how much money did they spend, how much resources did they spend, how much time did they spend on this game, and uh, that determines how much that game costs. Because we see single-player games that last six-player six game that last me 100, 200 hours, 300 hours, because multiplayer games are long engagement, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, Ryan, what do you think? I think yeah, it'd be worth more than a multiplayer game that lasts me hundred, two hundred hours, three hundred hours because multiplayer games are long engagement, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, um, Ryan, what do you think? I think yeah, like you guys like t- I think touched on a lot of the things that I, you know, when it comes to that idea of value proposition that I I think it's hard to justify sometimes because it's like you know to me I think. Uh, going into Overwatch, you know, so far I've totally, you know, I ended up getting just the standard standard edition of the game. I didn't get the um, the deluxe edition with the skins. Yeah, that version. I didn't <laughs> go super crazy on it. Um, you know, but so far, I mean, I've even in just the maybe 10 hours or so I've probably spent with the game so far, maybe like 10, 20 hours, like I've felt satisfied with the experience. I think that's when I'm buying games, that's more what I'm looking for is just, you know, how satisfied I was with the experience as a whole, regardless of the price. Um, mm-hmm. So something like Rocket League, you know, like I, I actually got the game uh, free on PlayStation Plus. I think as someone in the chat mentioned when the game first came out. Uh, but I was so satisfied with it. I bought the PC version because most of my friends that I play with uh, play on a PC, and we all ended up getting the game. So like, even though I already had the game free, I didn't mind buying it again because you know that's where I was ended up going to play it with friends. So, you know, I don't necessarily think that price should be something. I think like what Giuseppe said, I think it just depends more on what the um, you know, the the studio and the budget was that was used in, that was, you know, creating it. 
um, should be taken into account rather than the length of time. Because I mean, when it, you know, when I think about spending $60 in Uncharted 4, which, you know, lasted me like 10, 15 hours, somewhere between there versus uh, Overwatch, which is a game that potentially I'll be spending probably uh, many dozens of hours with. I think it doesn't really matter to me that much uh, in terms of the price. Right. I think it is just more about the question of um, maybe for multiplayer only games specifically, whether whether it's more successful to go the free-to-play route and sustain your, uh, you know, get revenue through uh, microtransactions and DLC versus doing a premium upfront, you know, $60 price tag. Though, to some extent, I mean, Overwatch kind of does a bit of both. I mean, it's not free-to-play, of course, but there's the cosmetic microtransactions. Are we okay with that? They are, because I think in that case, um, it is just more the model of, like, a typical... um, you know, like a mobile experience where you're not, it's just cosmetic items. So it's not anything that's uh, having any drastic changes on the gameplay or things like that, because they've said up front that any of the uh, new characters, new maps, things like that, those are all coming as free mm-hmm. updates. Um, you know, so you're not paying for that. Right. And then the, uh, the the only thing you're paying for in microtransaction was just the loot boxes. So you're basically just earning cosmetic items more quickly versus, um, you know, versus uh, just playing the game and unlocking things over time. There's right. also one one element. Microtransactions are not to pl- are not mandatory, so they don't influence you if you don't want to play pay them. But they create an enormous source of revenue for the developer. Like I know people that spend in microtransaction for a game. Like I play Black Desert, and Black Desert is a game that has costume mostly on microtransactions and pets. Right. And people spend hundreds of dollars a month. <laughs> they spend more. Than what would they would spend for an AAA game? They spend more than what they would spend for a, a game that requires a, a subscription. They they literally a, a costume drops for thirty dollars. They buy it immediately. Every costume that drops, I want my wardrobe well, nice and nice and patterned. So it's it's incredible. I I can't imagine spending that much on a game, but there is a ton of people that do, and basically microtransaction allow for one concept that I love which is uh, and people hate them and I understand why they hate them because they feel that it removes content from them without paying for them especially mm-hmm. if it, they actually already paid for the game but they do something they, they allow the developers to give everyone things for free like the maps in Overwatch, in Overwatch yeah. and the characters in Overwatch or uh, in Black Desert they, they give you uh, every expansion for free once you bought the the base the base package the game the game has already been expected expanded by thirty percent and it will be expanded by another ten thirty percent in June and everything of that is free and uh, basically that wouldn't be wouldn't would not be sustainable if it wasn't for microtransaction and the great thing is that people with a lot of disposable income are paying for my entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what it is because I'm getting everyone is getting stuff for free, right? And uh, other people are paying for it. And if you don't want to pay for it, you don't need to because right. other people are paying for you. You paid your your part at the beginning, but then you you can stop paying anything. Mm-hmm. And other people are paying for your continuing entertainment and for more and more content that you're getting. I think that's great. Right. Now, this is uh, me not doing my homework and making you guys answer my questions for me. But I'm, of course, doing this review for Overwatch. How should one judge the quality of multiplayer-only titles when 
they typically lack the standard fundamental aspects of traditional games. Like, if you normally go into a review, uh, a lot of the times they're already carved out things. If you're playing Uncharted, you talk about the single player, you talk about the gameplay, you talk about uh, how compelling the story was, the characters. Um, multi These multiplayer-only titles kind of lack that. They have one mode. Uh, what do you talk about? How should you review the game? <laughs> if the multiplayer is fun, it's a good game. If it's not, if it's not a good game, if there is a lot of modes. It's 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 a wide game. It's just a matter of a quantity of content, quality of content. Mm-hmm. I mean, why 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 is it a problem? Why why does a game need a single player? I'm, I mean, I love stories. Right. I'm, I'm actually sad that over. I I would I didn't buy Overwatch and I will not buy it because I'm not in that. But I mean, it's not because I, I think it's a bad game. Mm-hmm. It's because I'm not into that kind of game. Right. But if it had a story, I'd buy it on the fly because the characters look look great and the shorts, this the shorts they're showing, they they show a world that I would like to play a story. Right. But it doesn't mean that it's not a good game. It means that for it's not for me. So I would still rate it a good game if it's good, if the multiplayer is good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you pretty much. I, I would think when you're reviewing it. Uh, not that I would know. <laughs> um, you would pretty much judge it based on the the quality of the of the gameplay, quality of the modes, and honestly, just how much fun you're having. Mm-hmm. I would also throw in the fun. Is it fun when you're playing it without your friends? True. Because that was something yeah. that got me with Division. Because when I'm playing Division with friends, uh, up until this latest incursion, it was awesome. But when I played it alone, I was bored out of my mind. Right. Or maybe in the alternative, um, how they manage getting you into groups or uh, trying to foster that kind of interactivity that you would get by being in with friends. That was yes. one of the problems with Destiny at the beginning. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely. Still oh, yeah. to this day. Kind of. Yeah, they're, they're making something mobile for it, like a looking for group thing. Why the hell are you not doing just, just the matchmaking? I don't know. It only took yeah, them. How long has Destiny been out now? Almost, almost a full two years, a little yeah. over two years. Yeah, they finally put a out. link. There's a link in the game to the website that lets you try and find. Oh, a group. so it's just like the story. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I I love Destiny. I love the Destiny. I stopped playing it because after a while it got boring. Like after a long way, I played it for hundreds of hours. So right. So it's it's money well spent. Well, I, I reviewed it, so it's a review copy. I didn't spend money on it. But if I bought it, it would have been money well spent. But still, I can't even imagine why would you release a game like that without any matchmaking function. Right. Why? Why in hell? I had to go to Reddit. I had to write an article telling people how to find a group. Well, thank you, Bungie, because it was a successful article. But still. Right. Uh, the MacTastic in the comments, always a source of wisdom, says, Games used to have a campaign, now they don't. Consoles used to last seven years, now they don't. Times are changing. War is changing. <laughs> I was about to make that joke. I was like, we need to get a Ron Perlman voiceover of that quote. So. Right. Um, Alright, so, Ryan, I got a question for you. Now, these games, online only... Um, a lot of people buy their games hoping that they're going to play them in a few years. Some people still, like me, pop in their Super Nintendo, pop in their GameCube, their PlayStation 2s. 
Uh, does the digital future scare you in this regard? Because eventually they're going to shut servers down. I mean, it is Blizzard, so there's going to be a longer period, but mm-hmm. conceivably 10, 15 years from now, you can no longer play that game anymore. Yeah, I mean, I think especially with multiplayer-only games, that's... Uh, are you are you talking about just multiplayer-only games or just, like, digital games in general? Like, uh, Just multi... We could talk digital games another time, but multiplayer-only games, talking about servers themselves. Gotcha. I think... Um, I mean, I think that is a very real thing because obviously, you know, like multiplayer only get games or have, you know, depending on which ones you play, they have a limited lifespan based on how long uh, support for those games lasts. Um, mm-hmm. I know you wrote about the thing about uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Reflex, the Wii version of the game, which I'm yeah. surprised that the servers for that game actually have lasted that long. Because I can't, ima- I can't <laughs> imagine that there were that many people playing. Um, yeah. But, it, you know, I think that is... Sorry, go ahead. You were going to say something? Yeah, let me just clarify that. So I'm sure not everyone reads every single article, though you should. Um, What happened is uh, the Wii version of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, 3, um, I think just Modern Warfare 1. It was the first one, yeah. Yeah, which was called the Reflex version of it. Uh, Officially, they shut down the servers as of like two or three days ago. It's a seven, eight, nine-year-old game. And Activision was out of their own goodwill supporting it because it's practically one of the very few Wii online games still going on. But yeah, that I, it's a real fear. But go ahead. Yeah. Someone played. Someone played the shooter online on the Wii. Someone must have. I mean, someone did because they noticed. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, even when you look at, like, um, when Halo 2 and Bungie was shutting down the servers for that, and there were still people that, like, they were playing, they kept playing when they were shutting down the servers to prevent, to delay Bungie from shutting down the servers. So I think that's, like, that's the sort of thing is that I think with multiplayer games is that, like, even if, you know, the, the light, even, even if the, you know, the game doesn't have as long of a community, just, the, you know, I think that is the thing with multiplayer games. It's just like they, they are tied to the servers, but also it depends on the community that's playing them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure that like down the line, I'm sure Overwatch, you know, 10, 15, 20, whatever years that it goes on, it, eventually the servers will go down. But I feel like by that point, I'll probably have moved on to something else, hopefully. I mean, if I don't, I'll be really impressed. So uh, I'll be really happy about that. Um, but uh, I think, um, you know, I'm that is sure a problem. That's a compliment. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, Someone, I'm reading that. Yeah. DC Ten Toes just told me that it sounds like Maurice Chavez from. <laughs> I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's a compliment. Oh, that is. I, that's I, I great. Take it as a compliment, but I'm not totally sure that is a compliment. It's a it's a bit of both, but mm-hmm. I have good times with. Uh, by by the way, uh, Dolor Arlans just say just mentioned Destiny of Spirits on the Vija, which is another game that Sony shut down actually right. pretty early in its lifetime. How, how long did it last, Dolo? I think tr- two or three years, probably two years. Mm-hmm. And I was sad because I lo- I liked that game. I had a lot of fun, Go- just going around like finding stuff, finding uh, like a little monster, little summons critters. I actually was like uh, in Tokyo, <laughs> right. going around with my Vita in Tokyo, trying to trying to capture the unique uh, the unique monster that you get, the, the unique monster that you can capture only there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and, and when Sony shut down the game, only two years after it was um, launched, it was kind of sad. When it's two years, it's bad. I think when 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 they last this this little, I think it's a it's it's not a good policy. Right. I mean, yeah. You shouldn't launch again, especially if you're a big publisher like Sony. 
that has the has the resources to keep these things alive. And I and I know a lot of people that were playing it, so I'm pretty sure that it wasn't like no one playing it. Uh, probably there weren't many people paying Microsoft transaction, and that's why they shut it down. But I, I think they should prepare to keep it down at least four or five years. Yeah, right. I think Dalo pretty much, you know, summarized how I feel is that like I think with with multiplayer and online only games, like they do have a limited lifespan. It's just I feel like the nature of them. There are certain exceptions to the rule, like we um, where Quasi Monk said that like Counter Strike, like Counter Strike one point six still is played, and you know, aside from also oh, the, the the more the more recent versions of the game, like Global Offensive and stuff like that, that right. are some of the biggest games. There are some of the biggest games like in the globe that like people still play. Um, it's Global Offensive. So, yeah, I know. It's like, <laughs> but you know, um, but <laughs> but um, but yeah. I mean, I think uh, the one thing that I do, I think that uh, I t- kind of touched on. I think when I played um, Halo Five last year was just that. You know, I think it is kind of weird that like. Halo Combat Evolved will potentially have a longer lifespan than Halo Five Guardians because mm-hmm. you'll still be you'll still be able to play Halo uh, the original Halo offline. You'll still be able to play that you know in local co op and things like that. Versus Halo Five, where once the servers shut down for that, like you, you can still play the campaign and stuff, but the multiplayer will pretty much be shut down. And you won't be able to play that. So right. Well, you need to expect it. I mean, I, I'm guessing yeah. there is the PC crowd, which is probably one of the reasons why Overwatch is doing so well because Blizzard is. Most of the Blizzard fans base is on PC. Yeah, uh, the PC crowd is a lot more prepared for uh, online-only games. We are used to MMORPGs, you know, yeah. MMORP- online-only games that people are, are have been protesting about it for for just just lately. But they're not a new thing. Since yeah. since Ultima Online, there have been online-only games. It's been like twenty years. So you know. We are used to MMORPGs, we are used to Counter-Strike, we are used to all these online-only games that were, have been there for years. Right. It's like uh, we're, we, PC games are used to a lot of things that console games still groan about. Like yeah. we are used to digital-only, for instance. Who buys PC games physical by at the moment? Very few, unless you get the collector's edition. And most games are not even released physically on PC. They, they all go on Steam. Right. Even yep. the big published game, bigger publisher games like EA, they just released them on Origin. I don't think Battlefield One is going to be released physically on PC. I'm, I'm not sure. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. I think there is at least a few big games that they are released only on on Origin and not releasing physically. Right. So we are used to digital only games. We're used to PC, to online only games, uh, and uh, I think that's something that console gamers are going to get used gradually as well. Right. All right. Well, we've exhausted this topic, I think. Yeah. So we're, we're still trying to aim for under the hour. I don't think we're going to make it. Let's go through. Well, really- we're still going to, to do pretty well. Come on. Hey, we're, we're doing better than normal. All right. So <laughs> let's, um, let's go really quickly into the review roundup, and we'll do bullet point uh, answers on this. We have two games that we reviewed this week, uh, one coming out. Uh, and one coming out very soon, short after. You should be able to see the Homefront review if you're listening to this on podcast. But we're going to talk Doom and Total Warhammer. Uh, Ryan, you reviewed Doom. Give us your quick synopsis. Uh, I did. I went to hell and back. I came back alive. Uh, Doom was really fun. I liked it a lot. Um, I I uh, have only played a little bit of the previous games, but I have but I have enough familiarity, I think, from friends that are really into the series and just kind of. I think especially because Doom is just such an iconic. 
you know, series, especially because, you know, a lot of people kind of credit it with being one of the first first-person shooters, like, mm -hmm. along with Wolfenstein and things like that. Um, so I gave, uh, so in our review, I gave it an 8 overall, just kind of as, uh, kind of looking at it as a whole package, because obviously there's the, the campaign, the multiplayer, and the snap map. So yes, as Lou is illustrating by doing that, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think looking at it as a package, uh, Doom has a very, very, very good single player. The campaign is probably one of the most enjoyable uh, FPS campaigns I've played in quite some time. Uh, not even because of the story, because honestly, like the story is basically an excuse to shoot Doomians and punch them in the face. That's like really all it exists for. Uh, but the gameplay is great. It's really fun. It's really fast. Um, and the, the weapons are incredibly brutal and really cool uh, between the shotgun and the, you know, the different things you get. Um, the multiplayer, I feel like, is probably the weakest portion of the game. That it is just kind of... Um, it is fun because it does carry over that kind of fast-paced gameplay. It's right. uh, very twitchy, very arena shootery. So if you're into Unreal Tournament, Quake, things like that, you'll you'll like it. Um, it is just kind of generic, I think, is the, the biggest kind of overall. It's bland. It's very bland. It just doesn't really have a lot of... Uh, especially coming out so close to things like Overwatch that have a lot more personality and hooks to them. I think Doom just was... Yeah, and Battleborn. Okay, I got it, Chris. Um, <laughs> I just feel like uh, Doom is something that I'm not going to go back to, you know, weeks from now. I'll be playing Overwatch, so right. you know, there's that. Uh, and then the final kind of pillar of it is the snap map, which is the level creator, which is um, has a lot of cool ideas. I think it's, um, I guess I kind of described it almost as like if you had Mario Maker for um, Mario Maker for a first person shooter, where it's kind of meant to be a very simple, easy, you know, quickly put a level together. I think the main thing, like with anything like that, is just going to be seeing, um, you know, the, the dedicated kind of users, what they make. Um, it has potential. I think it just has, it's a matter of seeing what Bethesda kind of does with it. Um, but overall, Doom's really great. It's a lot of fun. It has a great campaign. Uh, I just think that the multiplayer, if you're looking for that, you might come away a little disappointed from that. Right. All right. So now let's just shift automatically to Giuseppe. Giuseppe reviews so, yeah. Total War. Total War Warhammer. So first of all, I have, to, I have to, to say this is what made me as a gamer. But this is Warhammer 40,000. Uh, this and the fantasy one, which I can't find. This is the first edition, Qu uh, circa, circa 1987, my father brought back this thing from England, and I was nine, and think of me, a little kid, nine years old, don't know a word of English, well, know a little bit that they learn from video games, so they start playing video games at six, playing, reading that big book mm -hmm. at, six, at six years old, trying to understand kind of what it said. I was a big rule book, uh, all mathematics, stuff like that. And that was created me as a gamer. I mean, even more than... Video games made me start my Sinclair Spectrum. But Warhammer and other pen and paper MMORPG are what solidified me as a gamer. So right now, Warhammer, Warhammer, um, Total War Warhammer is basically that word in a very, very, very good game because Warhammer didn't have very many good games. That's some... Decent games, they have some pretty good games, but very, some very, very good games. And I think anyone that has any slight is interested in strategy games, accessible strategy games, because this is not StarCraft. It's right. not a, a click per minute, in uh, an action per, mi per minute uh, strategy game. Uh, and uh, on the other end, this is not uh, Europa Universalis or uh, Hearts of Iron. So it's... Uh, it's accessible pretty much like a civilization game with a bit of a, uh, with a 
RTS on top of it, which an accessible RTS. So it's accessible for everyone, I think. And the the world is awesome. It's based on the old Warhammer, the one that still before the end times uh, nonsense that the that Games Workshop took lately. So it's not influenced too much by the stupid idea Games Workshop had in the past year or so. It's not based on the Age of Sigmar, whatever. So it's a great game. And if you like strategy games, if you like fantasy, I can't, uh, I, I really can't uh, recommend it more. In, it's a game that has its longevity. A campaign, a full campaign will take you like 100, 200 hours. And you have four races plus one, plus one if you get the DLCs of five races. And they all play very different. So if you like playing them all, you can easily bring get out with 500 600 700 hours of fun with from this from this game nice <laughs> okay so uh we're gonna move into everyone's favorite segment 8-bit idiot um and if you're new to the podcast if you're new to the session what 8-bit idiot is is us highlighting a specific problem area in the industry everyone in the industry will everyone in general have a bad day in their life and um say something stupid do something stupid market something something stupidly write something stupid um and by no means is this a final fate accompli judgment on them but we we're just going to highlight some of the uh the weird things that have happened this week and by the way there there was also a surprising amount of stuff that happened this week we're going to completely bypass the whole um nintendo codename mh thing of people completely misreading that um anyway uh, yeah, how many articles came out of that? Because we understood God. well bef- before they understood, because they understood it immediately that it was something else. It, it was like just a, an analyst making a right, like so, an hypothesis. Yeah. Um, so, what we're gonna start with is the mighty number no. nine trailer that came out today, which is just um, awful. And for those who don't know, Mighty Number no. Nine is the kickstarted KG Inafune game, that creator of Mega Man, and this is very much a Mega Man game. But it's had a ton of missteps. It's had awful PR lately, where they keep keep delaying it, um, and no one's happy with it. No one at all. Um, so today they released the newest game gameplay trailer. I was looking forward to it, but uh, this is what it is. So let's all be quiet for a second while we listen to some of this beautiful audio. You, looking at the screen, let me ask you a question. Do you like awesome things that are awesome? Then you gotta play this game, dude. It's freaking cool and crazy addictive, like popping bubble wrap addictive. Check this out. See, that's your dash move. There's a short dash, a long dash, jump dash, spiral, slide. There's probably a dash that makes you breakfast. I don't know. Great idea. Wait, what? Point is, you're dashing around like a friggin' moon man, and I love it. Oh, and look at this. There's all these combo moves you can do. Then you can do combos on combos to rack up your score. And I know you like that combo on combo action. But I saved the best for last. Absorption boosts. You kill an enemy, and you can absorb their power-ups. Stuff that'll make you faster and stronger and make the bad guys cry like an anime fan on prom night. (laughs) 
Uh, you don't have audio. I've been talking for a long time without audio. All right. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, what I was saying was, I, I know that you guys uh, couldn't hear it on your end, but you've seen it before. Um, an anime something something anime fa- uh, crying on anime prom fan night. on crying on prom night. Oh my god! What a dumb statement. I, they they should realize that the people who are buying this game, who are going to buy a KJ Inafune kickstarted Mega Man I think game, people can hear you still. No, they they. No, I think they can they're hear fine. Me. They're catching delay. up slowly. Ah, okay. Um, those people are the people who are going to be buying this game. They're insulting their audience. Not only that, but it's like if you took a '90s uh, commercial and ripped it from then, it would still have sounded awkward then. I, I don't. I don't know. That was per- yeah. It was particularly bad in an industry known for many times very cheesy. We are talking about someone that lambasted the Japanese gaming industry, saying that basically implying that it was better than anyone else, huh? Right. Okay. So after that, we have another one. In fact, and this one's Giuseppe's specialty has to do with uh, a recent game announcement. Oh yeah. Well, it's not an announcement. It was announced at Paris Games Week, but. Right. Lately, uh, we had a, like a re-unveiling of a GT Sport, of Gran Turismo Sport, however you want to call it. I prefer to call it Gran Turismo Sport because I like the name, but still. Uh, GT Sport uh, was presented in London, and we got some previews, hands-on previews from several outlets. Uh, and a few of them, of, of them lambasted the game for its graphics, for, uh, for its sound... For uh, for the fact that it it added like a new online focus uh, uh, and stuff like that, and uh, they didn't speak about the gameplay at all, or they spoke like for one or two lines about the gameplay, which is ridiculous. Like you are trying a new game, which a lot of people want to try, and uh, you put <laughs> you don't you and then it's a game in which gameplay is very important. Because right. it's a racing simulator, and you don't say how the cars handle, uh, like uh, how they how they behave, uh, if if it if they feel natural, if they feel realistic, you don't say anything like that. The most I've heard from from those reviews, which normally from from what I've seen, most of the people that lambasted the game for for this or that reason, didn't almost didn't write at all about the gameplay. And uh, the the most I've heard that is he handles likes Gran Turismo Six, and it doesn't, because uh, right uh, because you can see it pretty much from you can see at least some some elements of it when it, when you when you have watched two hours of gameplay from uh, from the live stream, you see that some things don't work in the same way. You also see that like the, some of the best Gran Turismo Six riders from arrive um, drivers from around the world spun and crashed like like new buys because they weren't used to the, to the new physics. So, no, it doesn't handle like Gran Turismo 6. And even if it did, you're not writing only for people that played Gran Turismo 6. Because, you know, not everyone had a PlayStation 4. There is a ton of people that had PlayStation 3. There is right. a ton of people that had PlayStation 4 that never touched the PlayStation 3. So, you should still talk about the gameplay. And... You see the, those previews that are like, oh, the graphics are these, the, the audio is these, and there are these, these, um, these, these features. Basically, they read you 
the feature list. It's not copy-pasted from the official feature list, but it pretty much just rewritten from it. Right. So basically what, what those previews do, instead of telling you they aren't hands-on previews, so instead of telling you what they felt going hands-on with the game, they tell you what you can see by yourself watching a video. And we have so seen ton of video because they had a two-hour live stream. And uh, what you can read by yourself by reading the, the, by reading the, the list of, of uh, features. Which is ridiculous, which is for the same reason I, I totally hate, for instance, hands-off previews. A lot of times when you go to an event, you guys probably have tried as well, right? You go there, and instead of making you play the game, they show you, they, they, some PR tells you stuff, and they, they show you a video of the game, or they show you him playing the game, and you can touch the controller, right? Have you guys tried it? I'm sure you did, right? I've, I've seen that, yes. Ryan? Chris, yeah, like have uh, yeah, you seen that's something happened. like that? Yeah, well, like once in a while, that's happened to me where and, it's you're expecting to be on for a demo, but not, it's not a demo. So, and this one was not a hands-off preview. There were demo station. People could go there, try the game, put their hands on on a wheel, and try it. And you try, you get the rare chance to try a game that's very important, a new Gran Turismo game, and you don't tell me how it handles. Right. What did you smoke? I mean, that's not what the preview should be. No, not even close. Right. And the funny thing, the funny thing, the, the last thing I'm gonna say about this, I mean, at least before you guys say your 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 idea, is that uh, God, I, I I read forums and stuff like that. The, after the press event, the day after, there was a fan event, so a lot of fans had a chance to go and try the game for themselves. And going on forums, I've seen more. I, I've received a lot more information on the gameplay and how the cars felt or the game, how mm -hmm. the game felt from the fans that have no be journalistic background. Right. Than from all the journalists, all the previews I've read combined. And yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. What yeah. do you guys think? Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that if they're writing a preview of a game, it should be something that I can't myself see from a trailer. Like, you know, th there's some reasonable debate about whether you're impressed or not impressed by the graphics. That's fine. That's something that we can physically see, though, from what they have shown us and we can make our own determinations on. Um, everything else, you know, what you should be talking about is how it feels when it's in your hand. Because that's that's what hands you're on. previewing. It's a hands-on preview. The the point is hands-on, right? Right. How about you, you? Think Ryan, you're 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 our our uh, our uh, uh, editorial master. So go ahead and tell us what you feel about this. Um, you know, I think in that sense, you guys have kind of touched on things I agree with a lot. Where it is, you know, just the the idea that a preview is that it is something that you're trying to inform readers about that they can't physically, you know, get to see themselves. So, you know, I think that is kind of you're relaying your experiences with the game. Um, you know, but I think one thing to like, I think a big thing to consider with previews is that you know, obviously, you're playing a game before it's actually finished. You're not getting to see it's, you know, you're seeing like a section that is is finished or close to finished, but you're not getting the whole entire complete experience. 
Um, you know, and sometimes I think that can, you know, because there have been plenty of demo uh, previews or demos I played where the the demo I played was was great and fantastic, but then when I play the final game, it doesn't quite live up to what I enjoyed from the, you know, from the from that demo experience. Course, because obviously when they're right, because when they're showing it at a um, you know, at a demo event like that, they want it to be a fifteen to twenty minute experience that gets people excited to play the game and see what it's like. Right. Um, versus, you know, I think if even if in the case of something like you know. Gran Turismo Sport, where people were bashing it, I think, based on what they saw. You know, even if the initial impression that I saw wasn't that great, I think if the final product turned out to be amazing or really, like, much better than what I was expecting, then honestly, I think I would honestly prefer to have something closer to that, where, right. you know, even if I'm not necessarily impressed with what I initially saw or played, uh, you know, getting to see what the final product like is, is what I'd be, you know, really happy with. Um, but I think it is to consider that you know a preview is meant to be. This is what the game looks like so far. This is what we liked about it. This is what we hope to see maybe improve with the final game's release. I think that's obviously the objective of what a preview should be. Right. Sure. Well, want to hear a story? Well, it's multiple story, but condensed in one. Sure. Uh, I've been at a ton of preview events. Okay. So I've seen a ton of people going theoretically hands-on with the game. I'm not going to name any names. I'm just going to be very generic, even because probably if I told you names, they would, wouldn't be much for you. But I see a lot of people that the preview events with the demo stations there, so they could just walk there, pick up a controller, and play the game they're there to preview. They just, like, uh, go to the buffet, start drinking and eating, uh, or they start chatting with each other and, like, networking, which is something that preview events people do a lot of networking and eating and drinking at the expense of the developer and, and publisher mm-hmm. and they don't teach that they don't touch the demonstration for a single second really like, yeah that, that's something i see happening a ton and then they come out with their preview because they just base the preview on what they've seen and on the and on the feature list they right. don't really need or care to actually play it because their their preview doesn't really mention what the gameplay is the last, the latest preview event that I've seen people doing that, of course, not all the people. I'm not talking about everyone. And I'm not talking about these people from Grand Turismo Sport because I wasn't there, so I can I can say what they did, even if it, those previews didn't really strike me as something that, like, uh, add a lot of gameplay behind. But still, uh, mm. people at, at the Uncharted 4 preview event, in which it was the first time you could put your hands on the driving of the Jeep in Madagascar of Uncharted 4, people completely ignoring the demos and chatting and drinking and eating at the expense of Sony and like, right. not all, but when I saw that, I was like, and I, in the meanwhile, I was there playing the game, having fun right. with a bike helmet with the GoPro on my head. Because Sony wanted to film something, and I don't. They they, <laughs> they strapped the bike helmet, bicycle helmet, a big bicycle helmet, on bike helmet, and bicycle right. helmet on my head with the GoPro on top of it. I don't know what the video, where where it ended, or if it was ever ever published or anything. But I was there playing, and I was there. I wasn't the only one, of course. There was there were many others. There were also many others behind me on the buffet, just stuffing themselves and ignoring the game and those people came out with previews of the game and that happens for every single preview event that was it's not a matter of uncharted or anything it happens for every single preview event i go to there is always people like that not 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 saying that it's the majority or a minority i didn't count but it happens and 
it it makes me it breaks my heart to see a lot of like smaller sites that don't get the chance i like that uncharted event was very selective not many people were invented i, I invited i know a lot of smaller sites from italy that didn't get to go and i know that those smaller sites would have would have destroyed that demo right because they're all gamers love to play and all and, and and they didn't get to go and people that got the the privilege to go were just there stuffing themselves and i was like what the heck right all right so i think it's about time we wrap things up this has been a shorter but still longer podcast much than shorter much shorter than we've been to, doing we, need to still, we need, still need to trim some fat we're getting there. We are getting there. Okay, so I think we can trip Lewis. Hey, I I don't think <laughs> I have I have I don't have the most fired count yet. So I'm pretty sure I'm I'm safe. Um, okay, so let's trim Christopher. <laughs> you can't get rid of me He's if you scary. try. He is down there in the corner. So He's scary. All right. Anyway, we're gonna talk upcoming like, games nope. very quickly. Chris, we kind of ignored you in that last section. You want to list out the upcoming games? Sure. So we have Crazy Strike Bowling coming out on the 25th for the PS4. On the 26th, we have Dual Core coming out for the Wii U. A Wii U game exists. One's coming out this year. We found one. We have uh, Coveni Dream coming out on the 3DS, also on the 26th. And rounding out the 26th, we have uh, Dragon Fantasy, The Black Tome of Ice, again on the 3DS. On the 27th, we have Sherlock Holmes, The Devil's Daughter coming out on PC, PS4, and Xbox One. And we have Arcade Archives Formation Armed F coming out on PS4. And then on the 31st, we have a lot happening. <laughs> we have Dead Island Definitive Collection on the PC, PS4, and Xbox One. We have Daydreamer Awakened Edition coming out on PS4. Oxenfree also on PS4. SteamWorld Heist on PS4 and the Vita. Hitman Episode 3 Morocco is coming out on PlayStation 4. And, uh... Lou, I uh, I left one out. You wanna you wanna talk about this one? Wait, which one? Oh, was it the one I mentioned earlier to you? Yep. Okay. Yeah. So we don't exactly know when it's coming out. Um, hopefully, we'll be breaking that story soon. But uh, sometime in May, uh, a game called Assemblance is coming out on PS4, and I'm super excited for it. Um, and I've been talking with the developer about it. He says it's coming out May, so that means it's going to be coming out this week because we only have so many days left in May. If it doesn't, if it isn't delayed. If it isn't delayed. Speaking of delays, I just I just noticed the rumor coming came out mm. about the possible delay of A No Man's Sky. I hope it's not true, but it's pretty solid. Oh, don't tell me that. No, don't that's that's me. bad news. Bad news bears. Sorry, it looks Wait. pretty solid. It looks right. like GameStop. They received the 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 signs for the game with the with the with the release date, and they told the, their employees that they need to put a coming soon sticker on it because the release date has been changed. Oh, no. Mm. Oh, if, if a GameStop employee is actually putting that up, that's that's true, and someone is fired for leaking it. Oh, my God. That's pretty shitty. That that broke my heart. All right, so... Yeah, I hope it's not true, but we'll see in the next few days. Uh, you guys tomorrow heard is, uh, is Thursday, so it's very possible that the announcement is going to come tomorrow or Friday. So Right. <sighs> Well, they they didn't read it for year first. They 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 read it first on Kotaku, but because they're the ones that, that right. But they it. heard it from us first, most likely. They're watching our show. They're not keeping up with Kotaku at the moment. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So we ended it on a downer. Sorry about that. 
But uh, I'm such a bastard. <laughs> let's give the social media plugs. Um, if you want to find us on any of our social media accounts, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. If you just go look up Dual Shockers, you're gonna find us. Whatever dot com slash Dual Shockers, we're there. On YouTube, we're DSTV Originals, slightly different, but also kind of similar. Slightly. Slightly. If you know what DSTV stands for, and then we are original, all of us. We're very original. Anyway, <laughs> uh, to come watch, to come watch and be part of the show. Also, to win these giveaways, because generally uh, most people come here every week, continue to win giveaway prizes. Um, join us every Wednesday at 8:30 at Twitch.tv/DualShockersLive. We'll read off all of your comments, and that's not true, but most of them, especially if they're funny. Or if you make fun of Giuseppe and his accent. Anyway, uh, lastly, you can find our round-the-clock news coverage, reviews, features, editorials, all the good stuff. Uh, we didn't really do a ton of news today, but you can find it all there at DualShockers.com. We put a lot of hard work in it. Um, so, thank you everyone for joining. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, and thank you everyone who's here, part of the podcast, Giuseppe, Ryan, Chris. Uh, if you want to find me over at Twitter, I'm at Lou Contaldi. Uh, Ryan, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's down there. You can see it. It's just my wow. first and last name. Ryan Weitzler. Yeah, that's it. All and, one word. And Chris? You can find me at Mr. Moxiemens. Surprisingly, I talk about Pokemon a lot. I think mine is down there as well. If, if Ryan didn't put it down there, he's fired. Uh, <laughs> did you put it down there, Ryan? No, it's there. I see it. We're good. Okay, so mine is down there because even if I pronounced it, you wouldn't be able to, to read it. So now that we are done here, go to the side and go read about the new uh, the King of Fighter 14 trailer that just came out that I'm going to write about right now with the Fatal Fury team. So bye, everyone. <laughs> I'm going to go right. All right, bye, everyone. We're going to go straight into the song. <laughs>